It's sort of impressive how much happened in a relatively short period of time. Right. It's like they had um, Trump as president. Yeah, well. Welcome to this week's episode of Fear, Honor, and Interest, the podcast for two straight white guys who went to Yale solve America's cultural divisions by talking about America's cultural divisions. I'm your host, Charles Bovinger, coming to you from Washington, D.C. With me on the line, as always, my co-host in Istanbul, David Will. David, how's it going? I am doing well, Charles, um, although I apologize to everyone if um, I sneeze uh, horribly through certain parts of this because there was a big pollen day today, so the weather's going to be down a little bit. <clears throat> so I'm not uh, someone who's particularly prone to allergies. Does it? Is it, I mean, it, I assume it's fall in Istanbul, just like it is here, or... Yeah, Istanbul, I mean, yeah. I think that, uh, as with many places over the past couple of years, the, um, the distinctions between the seasons are not what they have been, and so, um, it got fairly cold a little while ago, but it's mostly been very warm. Uh, here and mm. so I think it's possible that um, <clears throat> the um, trees have not known quite what to do. But then over the past couple of days, it got a little bit cooler, and so there might have been some kind of um, accelerated or more um, extreme uh, pollination than there normally would be. But you know, I'm not I'm not an expert on that on the trees of Istanbul. Uh, and I'm certainly not an expert on uh, <clears throat> seasonal pollination uh, in general. But so you lied on your resume for this show. I lied on my resume for okay. this show. Yeah, I'm sure my, my visa will be revoked as well for this. Wow. Or not visa, but my uh, residence permit as a tree expert. That's. I'm sure that's a that's a residence permit people can get. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, so yeah. it's been two weeks since we last met. Um, this is in part because I thought you were traveling. Apparently you are not. Um, but I believed you were, and sometimes belief is what matters. And scheduling <laughs> something like this is exactly where belief matters. Um, it has been a crazy couple of weeks, which is to say it has been an average couple of weeks in the Trump administration. So we're going to try something a little different this week, and we're going to do the lightning round. We're going to uh, work on our ability to um, use a little bit of brevity in discussing a bunch of issues because, boy, a lot of stuff happened. Um, first off, when we last left, we were planning on doing another episode about issues related to the Kavanaugh hearing. That already feels like it happened 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um since we last spoke, um, the FBI did a – I mean, I'm sure the FBI people did the best that they could given the constraints that they had. But they were not – they were they're, what they were allowed to look at was constrained by the White House, and the White House didn't let them interview either the accuser or the accused, which is kind of amazing. Um, and then they put out their report, and then Susan Collins, like we all knew she was going to, said – Okay, that's good enough for me. 
And then she, what we did not expect was for Susan Collins to then give this bizarre 40 minute long grandstanding, incredibly cynical partisan speech um, laden with misrepresentations and just awfulness um, about, uh, about how the whole, whole hearing had gone up to this point. I mean, at one point she lamented dark money on the part of people opposing Kavanaugh without seeming to be aware of or acknowledging that there was a lot of dark money being spent supporting Kavanaugh from the moment he was, his nomination was announced. Anybody who uses Twitter would have seen about 50% of your ads during this period being from the, the Judicial Crisis Network running, running dark money ads in favor of him. Um, some of the comments I heard just in general from um, everybody, all the Republicans who were objecting to the opposition to Kavanaugh, all claiming, oh, this is dark money from other places, it's all fake, it's not real protesters, is, was, was really, really strange considering how organic the anger towards him seemed to be and how people in favor of Kavanaugh were using a lot of dark money and, you know, people who'd clearly come in on, like, professionally um, uh, painted yeah. buses well, there, with professional there, signs. It is, it's got, you know, it's, it's complicated uh, when you look at the data that we have at hand to try to measure what is organic and what is AstroTurf because uh, my understanding is the um, general polling information has been pretty consistent that the, you know, the American public is not on Kavanaugh's side and <clears throat> relative to the standard um, for Supreme court nominees, which is like overwhelming support or, you know, support in, in at least a passive sense. I mean, presumably a lot of this is like, this is just the way it works, right? You know, the president nominates somebody and they go, right? So like, okay, what am I going to say? I bet that that's got to be a, that's got to be a majority of the respondents to these uh, questions in general. But, you know, Kavanaugh is, uh, is underwater in his approval and, and has been, you know, since a couple weeks. I think, I think he was already underwater even before the sexual assault allegations became clear. It was, you know, anyway, so, so that's one thing, but it also bears remembering that, uh, even with those numbers, he's still got like 40% of the country on his side. And, um, again, it, you know, 40% is shockingly low relative to the standard for Supreme court nominees, but it's still 40% of the country. Um, and the other thing is that the, I mean, there was an immediate obvious change. I mean, I, I, I follow the 538 uh, polling, you know, uh, polling averages most uh, closely, but you know, there was an immediate obvious change after the, um, you know, battle Royale Senate confirmation where the people in flyover country in the States that are deciding control of the Senate um, rallied to Kavanaugh, you know, very clearly um, they came home to the Republican party in a, in a big way. And, I think um, I think what was going on there is that basically you had two different conversations where the Democrats were trying to talk about um, Kavanaugh and his testimony and Dr. Ford, 
And the Republicans were trying to talk about Michael Avenatti and um, <clears throat> and um, Ms. Swetnick and the somewhat more outrageous, outlandish uh, um, accusations that that came at the end of the whole process. And I think the problem was that, you know, the Republicans were very good at having the conversation they wanted to have and getting a lot of Americans on their side in a way that um, was very disappointing to see, but also actually kind of makes, unfortunately makes a lot of sense Um, because, you know, we're having this conversation nationally now for, you know, two years about me too. And it's a really, it's a really daunting subject because right now we're kind of in a state of emergency where like the old norms and standards are being challenged, you know, because the old norms and standards were unjust. Right. And they, they led to generations of, um, you know, of, of, uh, of women having to deal with the same crap again and again and again, mostly women and also men, but mostly women, um, and letting accusers or excuse me, um, letting, uh, these people abusers, yeah, letting abusers silence accusers again and again and again. And we, so we need to change these standards, but the Republicans are like jumping to the end of the conversation and saying, okay, but what are the new norms and standards? The, the new norms and standards can't just be believe all accusations because some accusations are going to be made for political purposes. They're going to be made for, um, you know, purposes other than reflecting the truth. And the problem is that that's true, right? Like that point is an, is an obviously true point, but the Republicans are using it in this incredibly bad faith way to short circuit the whole conversation. And I'm sure that they're doing It's like, this is the national party. I'm sure that many Republicans are out, you know, as outraged by that tactic that the national party is using as I am. But as with so many things under Trump, the national party has been forced to take that terrible step uh, for these narrow political reasons. You know, that they have, you know, they just, Trump happened to pick Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh happened to have this history. And so by political necessity, the Republican party is, you know, rallying behind Hey, shut up. You know, oh, you know, Dr. Ford, yes, we take your accusation seriously, which is why we're going to ignore your accusation. Oh, you know, we, we take your privacy seriously. We take your, you know, uh, sort of the, the sort of norm, normality of your life seriously, which is why we're going to imply that you are, you know, that you hallucinated and didn't see the person in front of your face. Yeah. Right. And that's, I really just have two things. I mean, there's a lot more I could say on this, but 
um, because it's not the focus of an entire show, I really just have two things I'm going to add about that now, which is, one, it is my belief that um, the the line the Republicans went with, which seems to have been very helpful politically because it gave people who wanted an excuse to be um, an excuse to vote for Kavanaugh, give them what they wanted. Um, and it let them feel better, let people feel better about themselves. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not completely disbelieving this person. Um, you know, we, we, we just, we, we, but we're going to vote for her accuser anyway. And they needed, they needed a way to rationalize that. And the answer they got was the Republicans saying, we believe she was assaulted by someone. We just don't believe it was this guy. Which, right, which is, is a, just totally mean, meaningless. I mean, just it's, unbelievably. It's not only meaningless, it's the most insane answer you could come up with in that sense because you to believe that an incident occurred but it was mysteriously some other person whom we've never heard of before you can't say you believe her when you also think she has no idea who it was right i i I, it was just absurd as as a as a matter of what's likely the likelihood almost the least likely result is that she was assaulted by somebody else and mistook it for somebody she knew Right. That seems really unlikely. Event, you know, at an event with the close associates of the person she accused. Right. But then, like, you know, but you, they, of but unknown they relation to this unknown random changeling who, you know, right. must have been the one who attacked her. But they couldn't get past the fact that her testimony was so powerful and so moving that they couldn't just say nothing happened. They couldn't say that, oh, she's completely lying. This is completely fabricated. And so their halfway solution was, we'll say she's not making it up, but we'll say she's making it up. Yeah. Which. I... But but again, though, I mean, this is the, the challenge that I see in this moment is that that is such a patently absurd um, position to hold that it demands that we try to look at and explain the actual empirical fact of these poll numbers changing. Right. But again, national polls still bad for Kavanaugh, most Americans not buying it, but you know, it's not 0% support for Kavanaugh. It's like 40 something percent. And in the States that matter for the Senate, it increased. I mean, it increased the support for Republicans in those races. And so what's going on there? I think what, you know, like I refuse to, believe that it's the, these people, uh, you know, are, are, uh, <laughs> like already living in some kind of handsmaid's tale future where they say, um, you know, Oh, she was a loose woman. So she deserved it and blah, 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 whatever crazy misogynist thing. Like it's got to, you know, there has to be a, a better explanation than, than that. And I believe that it's, what I said, that the that the Republicans very skillfully had the conversation they wanted to have on this topic, and they took the grain of truth in their position, which is, um, you know, we we can't we can't live forever in this state of emergency in which all accusations are believed. But it's just all the more frustrating to see them do that because they're they're having the end of the conversation before the actual conversation. Right. Right. And, but I, yeah, anyway, so well, that brings think... me to my, my other point I wanted to make to, just to put a bow on this, which um, 
which is that the thing you kept hearing over and over again, oh, these are uncorroborated charges. Charges are uncorroborated. Everything she's saying is uncorroborated. That's not true. That's only true if your definition of corroborated is you found physical evidence. Right. In if if in any in you know, we have executed people solely on eyewitness testimony. Like that right. is a thing that we have done. In fact, there was um because when but I But probably said, not a lot of rich white people. Well, that's true. Um but we uh getting into one of those I so often avoid Facebook arguments because it's just not helpful. In fact, I tend to avoid getting on Facebook except to wish people happy birthday these days, but and to organize events. But um there was one I couldn't quite stay out of. Um, and when I mentioned, you know, we have executed people based on eyewitness testimony, the person didn't believe me. It was like, that's not true. We don't do that. That's It's like, it's part of, sh- show me the case. And I dug up a case from 10 years ago where, which I had remembered when it happened, where we executed a man who was convicted solely on the testimony of nine eyewitnesses, seven of whom recanted. And they <laughs> recanted before he was executed. Oh my and God. so yeah. it's like, if we're going to do that, Yet you're going to tell me that, oh, this is just he said, she said, there's there's nothing, you know, there's nothing behind that. But the point I wanted to make about this is that evidence, a lot of people seem to have in their mind that evidence is NCIS type. We go in and we have physical evidence of what happened that ties it conclusively to this person, um, yeah. which is not the case. When you're, I mean, if, if you were just, ha- you had two, if, imagine you just have two people in front of you. They're both telling you contradictory stories. Um, The difference between them is that one of them has notably and clearly lied to you about a number of matters related to this. Um, Like Kavanaugh just kept telling lies about his drinking habits and about what all of the about, oh, the devil triangle is a drinking game. Um, You know, what does this term mean? Why are you why are you in the Renate? Alumnius, you know, which you've managed to misspell. I, I thought that was amusing. Um, yeah. And he just, and the answer he gave was a blatant lie, a blatant lie. There's no way he meant that for the context of the rest of the yearbook and when they talked to the person involved who was mortified about it when she found yeah. out. She was one of the women who'd put her name on the 65 women list supporting Kavanaugh and then was unaware of this. And when it was pointed out to her by the news people, she was really upset. So, You've got two witnesses. One of them keeps lying about things related to it. All the things you can prove he is lying about. This is, a, this is other... a great lightning round, by the way. Right. Well, it, you know, we're, we had to start off with at least putting a bow on what we were talking about last week. I'm going to be much more careful policing you on the next few. Um, <laughs> yeah. And anyway, so so you have that as your two witnesses. It's not that hard to draw a conclusion, maybe not a conclusion that would stand up for a conviction in court, but that's not what we're doing here. It's not a courtroom. In fact, it's about who gets to be in the courtroom deciding these things. Uh, And it's amazing to me that uh, presumption of innocence, I mean, presumption of innocence doesn't mean they're always innocent. Like, that's not what it means. It means you don't start out assuming they're guilty. Which, I mean, so, uh, certainly plenty of people were willing to assume he was guilty the moment he was accused. But after Dr. Ford's testimony and then his testimony, I don't know how you come away from that thinking, oh, yeah, he's the one who's telling the truth. Uh, if you're going to base it purely on what people are telling you. Anyway, so we're going to move on now, although this next one um, will probably take a fair bit of time as well. Because um, what could be the biggest piece of news recently in terms of its long-term impact is the apparent um, 
apparent murder of a Saudi Arabian journalist in Turkey, where you are, David. Um, yeah, David. Pretty, how, pretty what, what what have you been hearing about that in Istanbul? Well, um, I mean, one of the probably the major issue with this story that uh, serves something as a as a segue from the previous one is that um, <clears throat> you have a government in Turkey that broadcasts totally crazy, bizarre statements to their domestic and international audiences all the time. So uh, on Friday, we had the very welcome news that um, Pastor Brunson, Andrew Brunson, was released from Turkish prison where he'd been for two years and uh, was to be returned to the United States. And so, okay, happy news. Uh, American released back to his family, back to his country. Um, but why was he there? He was there, according to the government of, this, of Turkey, because he was engaged in a plot to Christianize... Kurds to create a breakaway Kurdish PKK Christian state. It's just a completely insane uh, allegation that uh, that made no sense at all and was the most uh, flimsy fig leaf imaginable for what was obviously a ham-fisted attempt to create leverage against the United States by kidnapping an American citizen. Um, you know, there was, it's just utterly ludicrous that a pastor would have been attempting to use, you know, Christianity to recruit Kurdish, uh, recruit and organize and motivate, uh, you know, Kurdish uh, separatists in, in Turkey. So, you know, the government had, the government of Turkey had uh, insisted on that point and the conclusion of this case was that he was convicted of those charges. He was convicted of attempting to sow uh, dissension in this country th through those uh, you know, that fantastical scheme, as I mentioned, but was merely sentenced to time served. So that's the that's the positive outcome here, right? And so now you have a Saudi uh, dissident. Well, he's not even a dissident. He's actually a patriot who was basically living in exile because um, his, the, you know, the, the country that he loved um, brooks no dissent. And so he was close to many figures within the regime, as I understand it. I'm, I, I'm as with many people, one of the sort of instant experts on this subject because I didn't follow his career closely before um, the story came out. But this is someone who was working for various news organizations and then uh, flew a little too high, was fired, but then recruited for other things. And so uh, people close to the center of power in Saudi society held him in high esteem such that he kept returning to positions of trust and relative authority despite occasionally running afoul of uh, the powers that be. And um, he disappears. He was in trying to get a um, document necessary to marry a Turkish citizen. He had to go to the Saudi consulate um, where 
once he made an appointment in advance, the possibility arose that he was he would head into a trap. Um, and he goes in and he disappears. And then what happens next, right? What happened? Why? Where is he? So now the Turkish government is the source of this grisly accusation that he was uh, murdered and dismembered. But the problem is you need to have people take you seriously when you make claims like this because precisely because they're so they're so serious and this comes in a um you know in a series of other news about journalists that um <clears throat> i think it was um i mean it was in the same week i don't think it was exactly the same day that Khashoggi disappeared that um it was the 12th year anniversary of right. the murder of uh, Politskaya in Russia, I believe on that day was the rape and murder of this Bulgarian investigative journalist. Um, uh, her name is escaping me at the moment, but in, um, you know, this young woman who was Victoria something or other, who was um, a, you know, not famous, but well-regarded journalist in Bulgaria investigating public corruption. Um you know, particularly in the same week or so that um, the New York Times revealed this spectacular, uh, deeply investigated article about the uh, like presumptive tax fraud of the Trump family over the course of several decades, um, including the participation of a U.S. federal judge you know, Donald Trump's sister who signed off on these documents. Um, you know, the, the, the stakes are very high, uh, for journal. I mean, these are, you know, like Khashoggi, um, I don't think was involved in that kind of journalism, but in general, this question of, uh, how societies learn about themselves, how publics are informed. I mean, that requires journalists asking questions and coming up with, um, clear frames for presenting complicated question, you know, complicated topics to the public, uh, whether that's, you know, sort of the direction of reform in a conservative, uh, Muslim sort of, uh, theocratic state, uh, or, you know, a, a country emerging from the iron curtain after a generation and, integrating into Western Europe or, or, uh, or, you know, however you would define the United States. Right. I mean, well, I think you're missing a key part of this, David, which is that freedom of speech and of the press is actually about whether conservative provocateurs can speak on a college campus without being yelled at, not about whether you murder investigative journalists. That's right. I forgot. I yeah. forgot. Because remember, I mean, the again, press is the enemy is of the people. And calling right. the press I mean, the enemy of the people by the top government official in no way, shape, or form harms the dignity of free speech the way that disinviting a bunch of jerks from speaking on a college campus is the greatest crime against free speech you can commit. Yeah. No, it's just this, going back to what I was saying about Kavanaugh, this, this capacity for us on our in our different political media silos to have 
very different conversations about these topics is, um, is really frustrating. And it's even worse when, um, when to the extent that there is a mainstream, that the mainstream, uh, begins to distract itself with asking the wrong questions as you, as you get to on the sort of, uh, on the campus free speech topic. Cause I, again, I, I would say that is, there is an issue there. But it's not like a crisis. It's not a national crisis in the way that, um, you know, the the implosion of regional um, media sources is, for example. You know, the fact that newspapers all around this country are, um, you know, are folding up uh, and unable to create the stream of information that goes into um, some of the reporting that results in these you know, big national stories that the people need to hear. You know, that's the real free speech issue in this country. Right. I, I, mean, I, to, I mean, to my mind, whenever anybody brings up, oh, well, campus free speech issue, my response is, well, they shouldn't be, they should not be yelling at the people who are trying to speak, generally speaking. Um, they should not be doing any violence. They should let the people come in, do their little stupid speech and go away. You can protest without shouting at people while they're speaking. Sure. And then, I mean, where, where can the conversation go after that point? Because right, exactly. Like, yeah. what are they going to do? They're just going to be like, well, other people don't believe that. And it's, well, I'm not, I can't, I already said it was wrong. We're not really disagreeing on anything here. Yeah. Um, and, oh, I am, in fact, getting, for those of you who noticed a slight technical glitch earlier when I may or may not have edited something to some degree of competence, um, <laughs> the disk space on my computer is almost out. Um but we should have plenty more to finish this because I have a whole one gigabyte left out of my 600 gigabyte hard drive. <laughs> it's really time for me to replace this computer I bought in 2009. Um, all right. Well, um, well, maybe that, I mean, uh, if I may argue as and seize my privileges as co-host to suggest our final lightning round topic, if that's uh, what's going on on the topic of sustainability, one of the other issues uh, that came up in this past week's media cycle was this recent, uh, IPCC. Yep. This was on topic my list that, of topics to discuss. Yeah. And, and, and it's good for us because, uh, one of the first things we discussed was Brett Stevens, um, coming out with basically, I mean, what many people said was a climate denialist, you know, climate change denialist, uh, article. And then another thing that we discussed was, um, the article in uh, New York Magazine from about a year ago um, that articulated, that like made very precise and clear um, what the effects of some of the upper ranges of, you know, four degrees warming, six degrees warming, you know, what those would be. And, um, you know, I think, I think the, you know, the jury is no longer out on this topic that, you know, if the IPCC has come around to um, the sky is falling, then, you know, it seems like the debate is, is probably over on whether we need to, you know, whether it's whether it's whether we need to create more space for more Brett Stevenses to talk more about like, oh, maybe it's not so bad as opposed to um, the people saying like, Keep your computer, uh, keep your computers from way back when. Keep them working. Don't add to the waste and right. you know uh, consumption 
oriented economic system that we have because we need to have a new system. It doesn't even, I mean, but a lot of things we could do to, to have slowed to have slowed climate change down and to have made progress wouldn't even have been all that drastic if we just done it at any point. Right. Well, um, I think that's, yeah. that is kind of the, the whole point is that, you know, if, if we hadn't had people uh, stalling on this for, I mean, when do you count it? When do you start the clock? Like, I mean, there were people making serious warnings in this respect, you know, in the middle of the 20th century, not even at the end. And if we'd started in a serious way in decarbonizing our economy 20 years ago, we'd be in a vastly different situation than we are now. But we could have started 40 years ago. We could have started 60 years ago, potentially. Um, it's very frustrating. And it, it, it's to switch gears for a little bit, it, it's sort of, I'm not sure what the best way to mobilize movement on this is because like it is a fact that our generation will have to organize to deal with this it's effectively some it's, it's effectively a a a curse that our parents generation has placed on us that we will labor under um but i wonder if i wonder what the right frame for mobilization is i mean obviously like Gen intergenerational resentment is probably not the best way to well you say that i saw an ad the other day i think somebody had retweeted it it was um a bunch of old people laughing about how they are you know about young people all those don't vote. Well, about, it's about young people don't vote and we're not yeah. going to be alive to see how climate change goes so ha 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 and they all laughed yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that too. I saw that too. I guess that was in my in the back of my mind as I was talking. If we learned so anything from 2016, it should be that resentment works. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, one of the interesting points that I saw made um, this a couple of days ago was that um, in terms of the demographics that vote for Democrats, most of them are highly regionally concentrated except for 18 to 35 year olds where there are 18 to 35 year olds all over the country. And so, you know, if that kind of a message actually is successful in mobilizing younger people to come out and seize their, their role in our democracy, um, then yeah, I hope, I hope, I mean, if it's successful, I hope that there are more messages like that. Of course, the problem is, I don't know if it will be successful and, um, well, I think part of it, too, is that uh, there seems to be a feeling among a lot of millennials, uh, which is a term that just gets comes in for so much opprobrium these days. Um, but there seems to be a sentiment among them that, as you said, the generation above us has so thoroughly screwed us over that it's almost as though, well, it's too late. There's nothing we can really do. It's all just a mess. And it's that was kind of how the climate change um, debate basically went when you listen to what a lot of conservatives have said, which is it's not happening. All right, maybe it's happening, but humans aren't responsible, but it's still not happening. And then it sort of jumped to, yeah, but it's too late to do it. So why do anything? Well, and it gets to this. Have you actually read in detail anything about the, um, this Trump administration recent release, um, about, uh, God, what was it? It's the, I think it was an EPA ruling on 
um, mileage for uh, cars and light trucks, I believe. That did is not, this ringing a bell? I have not. There, so, I mean, obviously, I, I just read the you know, headlines here, but there was some issue that the Trump administration actually used the inevitability of oh, massive, I did hear about this. Of massive yes. climate change to say these mileage, uh, you know, gas mileage uh, regulations are not going to prevent climate change. Therefore, they are pointless and we might as well not enforce them. It's something along those lines. And obviously, I'm sure there are many among our listeners who uh, will have more information on that particular topic. But it's just, I mean, getting to your point, it's like, <laughs> you know, we're, we appear to have reached that final stage in the progression you articulated where they say, oh, yeah, it's happening, but, you know, you might as well just lie back and enjoy it because, you know, there's nothing we can do to prevent this horrific event from continuing no. to unfold. Yeah. Um, all right. So we felt spectacularly at a lightning round. Um, I well, was, I don't know about yeah, that because we talked about a lot of things and here we are just about. Well, now. I have this long list on, I, that I don't know if you can see my thing <laughs> over the video that I had made up and, um, we got to three of the items on it. Um, I was picturing something a little bit faster. I'm, I actually have, I've got this stopwatch going and I'm, it's fascinating to see how long we talk about certain things. And um, I actually kind of may try something like this again next week um, with a little bit stricter enforcement. Out of curiosity, everything with the show is an experiment. Um, yeah. But I've got a question. Well, speaking run- of experiments, i got to cut you off here because um, I don't know if you saw, but a couple episodes before, uh, you know, I logged into SoundCloud to look at something. And um, a few weeks ago, we had an episode that had like 65 listeners that has to be a typo i <laughs> yeah no i was i was stunned and i mean who knows how this happened but it's i mean if you know i i think we should uh, analyze that episode to see i'll go back and take a look yeah um all right well and i'm just going to run down for as my sign up well sort of my pseudo sign off today i'm just going to mention to everybody some of the other things we didn't get to because since the last time we were here um after the kavanaugh confirmation McConnell openly said that he would confirm a nominee Trump puts forward in 2020. Um, I mean, well, he was, he basically said there won't, Oh, the the odds of that happening are pretty low. So I'm not going to commit to it, but yeah, I will. Um, Which, you know, completely counteracts the entire reason he kept Merrick Garland's seat open. Um, Some of the other, Chuck Grassley said, Oh, I'm not going to let that happen. If I'm chair of the, of the judiciary committee at the time, then he also sort of mentioned that he might not be chair of the judiciary by then. Um, we have this scandal in Georgia where the Republican nominee for governor is the one in charge of voter registration. And he is sitting on 53,000 new voter registrations, two thirds of them African-American. He's running against the first African-American woman ever to be nominated by a major party for governor. Um, and he's sitting on them because of this exact match law that they have where he can basically sit on a uh, sit on a registration if anything is off in the anything doesn't match their other records of a person which could include a hyphenated last name one digit as a typo being off in an address any number of things that are relatively minor that he's allowed to just sit on indefinitely that's a pretty big scandal we briefly touched on trump's tax dodges which was itself a spec 
you know, a whole massive topic we should do at some point. I feel like we should have some discussion on um, optimal taxation and how we view taxes theoretically. Then there was another article on how Kushner probably didn't pay any taxes. Not a big investigative right. thing using actual records, but one that uh, one that, and one that was more, much more speculative. But talked about that. We had the bizarre incident where Trump invited a reporter into the Oval Office with with a lot of his senior officials so he could deny John Kelly was going to leave, which makes nothing seem likelier that John Kelly is going to leave in the near future. Um, we had Trump invite Kanye West into the Oval Office after he gave a bizarre pro-Trump rant on Saturday Night Live. Um, we had Nikki Haley resign from the United Nations very abruptly and shockingly to the rest of us um, where the general speculation on that seems to be she wanted to get out and it was better to get out after the Kavanaugh confirmation was done, but before the midterms, which could possibly be a disaster. And so she made the announcement now. I mean, those are just some, any one of those could have been a major story in the Obama years. Like that could have, we, we would have, we spent, Fox News spent a week talking about his tan suit. There was the Daily Show did a remembrance recently for the latte salute, where Fox oh, News yeah. was furious over Obama saluting a Marine as he stepped off Marine One and gave the salute while he had a latte in one hand. Which, you know, obviously they were it was not hard for them to find evidence of Republican presidents doing something similar, but the fact is they think liberals drink latte drinking liberal is one of their phrases. And there's a right. liberal holding a latte, disrespecting one of the troops. I mean, that's just a perfect storm for them. When you look at the sort of things that caused outrage in the Obama years, it's just insane to be where we are. And the fact that every new, a news cycle is we, we have to come up with new units of measurement for everything. We have the Scaramucci as a period of time for somebody to serve in an administration. We're going to have to have, um, I don't know, some other scandal news cycle to come up with. So, uh, I mean, part of what too, I just want to impress on everybody here is that it's not, it doesn't seem normal to have this much all come out all the time that's major news and have none of it seem to matter. Um, the only thing that we've discussed today that uh, seems to be making a big political difference um, is, the, is the Khashoggi incident which really does seem to be pushing people away from Saudi Arabia. And, um, I, I, my, well, I, I don't know. I actually, I mean, I disagree pretty strongly with your uh, phrasing there just because, um, you know, the numbers, the poll numbers are actually significant. Like women are abandoning the Republican party in a way that they had not before. And even white women who had never, you know, despite the whole narrative of the Democrats being the party of women, that's the party of women only because um, minority women vote Democratic, but white women have always gone for Republicans with only few exceptions. And that's maybe not going to be the case. I mean, they are watching. They are watching what's going on. They're watching these outrages and, and they are outraged. And the Khashoggi thing, you know, you have Trump in the Oval Office saying, um, yeah, if this is, if this, if we can believe this, it's a terrible accusation, but I mean, come on, we're talking about a hundred billion dollars in weapon sales here. Let's get serious. You know, he's not even an American citizen. I mean, the fact that Trump said that is, uh, truly disgusting in the way that only that man is capable of being, but, um, but also not 
surprising because that's the kind of transactional approach to life that a lot of, you know, a lot of our fellow citizens have. So in fact, the only part that's surprising about that is he didn't say, look, Mohammed bin Salman said a good, said nice things about me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Which is his go-to awful thing. So yeah. yeah, All right. Well, on that note, I'm just going to leave our, our listeners with one quick bit of foreboding which is that this in the past week, the newest Assassin's Creed video game came out. This one's set during the Peloponnesian War. You can imagine how excited I am about that. Um, I'm, so we probably have, won't have another show for another couple months. Well, I managed to pull myself away from it for this. Um, I want to get right back on, although I really should go watch, go to a bar and watch the Browns play. Um, but I'm not sure which is the greater tragedy, any given Browns game or the Peloponnesian War. Um <laughs> I think time has healed that wound enough. I can get away with making light of that. Um, But uh, but anyway, uh, so look forward to me giving critiques on the historical accuracy of that game in the coming weeks. In the meantime, I hope all of you are able to get your tasks done faster than we did our lightning round. Have a good (laughs) day.